When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stand by. program comes from executive producer Lillian Garcia. Every athlete is on this quest. Every performer dives in head first, battling real life challenges and overcoming obstacles in an effort to make their dreams reality. Reality. Singer, songwriter, 15-year WWE host Lillian Garcia was the first woman to ever announce WrestleMania. And the first to launch her own podcast, which gives you an all-access pass to the human interest stories of elite athletes and extraordinary entertainers. Now, let's embark on another fascinating journey of chasing glory with your host, Lillian Garcia. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Chasing Glory. Yeah, you know, I like to sing a little bit here and there. So, uh, and I kind of dig that vibe, so I'm just going to go with it. Having an awesome day. I hope you guys are having an awesome day. I hope you're having an awesome week. Let's go for it. And uh, yeah, hope that some amazing things have happened in your life. Welcome to the chase for glory. That's what we're all doing, right? In one form uh, or another. And I love all the feedback that I've been getting on Dolph Ziggler, my guest from last week. Thank you, Dolph, for doing that interview. You know, most of you actually were commenting how he rarely does interviews. And he gave me uh, an interview which was so awesome and insightful and full of lessons. And I'm just really, really glad that you guys liked it. I loved hanging out with him. I think he's just an incredible human being, just a really nice guy. And also just what an athlete. And man, Again, I said it last week, but I've been watching more matches with him and Seth and then Drew McIntyre as well. And yes, we do have Drew McIntyre today as our guest here on Chasing Glory. Guys, this is just, it's fun. This is just fun. Getting to see what they're doing right now, how hot they are. Monday Night Raw, they're closing the shows, they're main eventing, and the work that they're doing. Drew was phenomenal against Seth Rollins on Raw. And now, of course, I had to record this, though, before Extreme Rules. So I haven't seen Extreme Rules, but of course, this is playing on Monday after Extreme Rules. I know, I know. Keep up with me. It's kind of confusing. But anyway, what I'm saying is I'm sure Extreme Rules was really cool, and I can't wait to talk about that next week. But those are my two guests from last week as far as Dolph and then Drew McIntyre. And we'll see what the future holds as the future guests arrive on the show 
I want to thank you guys for following me at Lillian Garcia on Instagram and Twitter, Lillian Garcia official fan page. And now Chasing Glory has its own Instagram page. If you guys haven't heard about it, all you have to do is start following Chasing Glory podcast on Instagram. That's Chasing Glory podcast on Instagram. And what's so cool there is we have a lot of things that get posted up there that don't get posted anywhere else. It is all about Chasing Glory and especially Glory Fridays. Glory Fridays will tell you who my next guest will be. So those of you that followed on Instagram knew this past Friday that Drew McIntyre was going to be my guest today. So it's kind of cool you guys get to know it before the world gets to know it. So how's that? And I'm going to be giving away Chasing Glory t-shirts and photos and who knows what else. So just make sure that you follow that page as you guys are my CG squad. That's right. CG squad. I love that name. I think I'm going to have to get a, a shirt with that. Why not? Anyway, just really want to thank you again for being with me. And uh, yeah, I want to let you guys know, too, that iHeartRadio just picked us up. So I'm very excited that now you can find Chasing Glory on iHeartRadio and all the other places that I have listed. They are all on my website, LillianGarcia.com. Also, the Chasing Glory app on Android is up and running, and Apple is still letting me know that it's coming. All right. I'm being very patient with them, but that is definitely going to be happening so that you can get Chasing Glory very fast. Or you can also go on Spreaker.com or Stitcher or Spotify, Apple Podcast, of course. And speaking of Apple Podcast, I want to do this right now because I think it's very important. Something that really touched my heart uh, were these comments that were left and especially one of them. And usually I do this at the end of the show, but there's a reason I'm doing this now. And just bear with me, guys. It's uh, pretty emotional. Okay, so the first one that I just want to thank so much, you guys, writing your reviews, subscribing to the show, giving the show continued five stars. Uh, This is incredible. And that definitely helps us in ratings and gets more awareness to the show. And yeah, we can keep this thing going. So the first one says, I simply love this podcast from Christina8909. Dear Lillian, I can't begin to describe how much it means to me to have your podcast. I'm a huge wrestling fan. And to get to know my favorite wrestlers outside the ring. It's a huge thing for me. Thank you so much for this podcast and much love from San Diego, California. Well, hi, Christina. Thank you so much for writing in. I appreciate it more than you know. All right. The second one, best guest and different. Okay. I've been a fan of your show since the start, but what made me leave a review was that you were able to get Dolph Ziggler on the show. He barely does interviews and I was glad to see a different side of him, but that's something you commonly do anyway. (laughs) I try to pull it out of him. Been following you since the beginning and look forward to continuing to follow through to the next level or whatever he's next saying. Anyway, thank you so much. That is Measle 22. So, yeah, keep uh, following me. I appreciate that. Now, this is the one that I picked to get the Chasing Glory T-shirt and also the 8x10. And I just want to thank this guy for being so vulnerable. Talk about being open. Well, we talk about that here, right? Real, raw, but inspiring. So he says, it's titled Hard Times. He says, I'm an up and coming actor. And despite getting the biggest break yet, which I can't share till it airs, I'm at the lowest point of my life personally. 
used to being an indie wrestler or used to be an indie wrestler, but injuries caught up and ended my dreams. So I moved to LA and took up acting. After recently losing my mother, dealing with a breakup, losing everything and being homeless, I've had suicidal thoughts recently because of it. But this show has kept me going in high spirits and my goal of working directly with The Rock as a co-star. Keep doing what you're doing. It's helped me fight. Wow. That comes from Robert Hawk. Robert, I'm telling you, I can't thank you enough for being this open and sharing that. When you share that and you put it out, there's something very powerful that happens. And I hope that you will feel this right now. I'm telling you, I know things can get really sad and very heavy. Uh, You know, when I lost my father, uh, it's going to be, well, this December will be two years. So a year and a half ago, it was really tough. So in that same year, lost my dad, WWE was gone, you know, had to leave and didn't know what I was going to do next. Uh, And even since then. There's been one thing after another. I I talked about like two months ago how I wasn't even living in our home because they found mold in our home. So we've been put in a different location and much smaller. None of our things are here with us. Um, you know, we're living day by day, basically living out of a suitcase. I've been living out of a suitcase for two months and just trying to make the best of it. But one thing I know is, man, you get pushed to the edge, but when you hold on, You will see how strong you really are and what you can conquer. And then you look back and there were so many lessons along the way and so many silver linings. So Robert, just keep your eyes out on the silver lining. And you know what? One day you may co-star with The Rock or one day he may co-star for you. How's that? (laughs) I love my buddy, The Rock. Um, But yeah, you never know in this life. Just keep going. Keep your spirits up. Just know people are are out there. You know, we're we're all going to cheer you on. All right. The CG squad is behind you, Robert. So no more suicidal thoughts. Um, But thank you for sharing that. And just know that things will get better. Go back and listen to Paige's episode. You'll see, go back to listen to a lot of these episodes where people were at The Rock bottom and came back. So much success to you. Thank you for writing in. And guys, uh, make sure you can, you know, continue to write in and I will pick another winner next week. But for now, I'm going to go ahead and kick it off to uh, Drew. How about that? All right. So again, thank you for joining me. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Drew McIntyre's journey of chasing glory. Born Andrew Galloway, Drew McIntyre began making a name for himself as a teenager in the Scotland wrestling scene. Although he grew up loving soccer, he knew there was only one place to be and that was the WWE. Knowing he had to hone and polish his skills, he started locally wrestling for British Championship Wrestling out of Glasgow, Scotland. At six feet, five inches tall, McIntyre easily made a name and a presence known and within a few years became one of the hottest prospects in all of Great Britain alongside future WWE superstars Sheamus and Wade Barrett. After dominating the European wrestling scene and a successful WWE tryout, McIntyre reported to the WWE Developmental Territory, Ohio Valley Wrestling in 2007. 
After a brief stint on Monday Night Raw and conquering WWE's newest developmental territory at the time, Florida Championship Wrestling, McIntyre would make his SmackDown debut and within weeks would be Christian, the chosen one by Vince McMahon himself. At the inaugural Tables, Ladders and Chairs pay-per-view in 2009, Drew McIntyre won his first WWE title when he defeated John Morrison for the Intercontinental Championship, where he held the prestigious title for 161 days. He would find tag team success at Night of Champions in 2010, where he and Cody Rhodes became the WWE Tag Team Champions after winning them in a tag team turmoil match. After going back and forth between Raw and SmackDown brands, he would find his entertaining side when he was partnered up with Heath Slater and Jinder Mahal to form 3MB. Unfortunately, in 2014, Drew McIntyre was released from the WWE contract, and although initially he felt depressed and unsure of his future, he saw it as a blessing and decided to make it his mission to get back to the WWE. He immediately made an impact on the independent scene going back to rising Scottish promotion, Insane Championship Wrestling, as well as making his Evolve debut by defeating Chris Hero for the Evolve Championship. He would master his craft by wrestling for top independent promotions all over the world, wrestling against some of the best independent wrestlers at the time. In early 2015, he would make his Impact Wrestling debut, where he would battle against the likes of Matt Hardy and EC3. And after one year of making his debut, he would become the first ever Scottish-born TNA World Heavyweight Champion. And after three extremely successful years of traveling all over the world, Drew McIntyre would re-sign with the WWE and join the NXT brand better than ever. At NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, McIntyre would defeat Bobby Roode to become the NXT champion, where he would go on to hold it for 91 days. During the 2018 Superstar Shakeup, McIntyre would make his Monday Night Raw return, forming an allegiance with Dolph Ziggler, and has quickly put every Raw superstar on notice. This Air Scotland native is living proof that hard work will always pay off. It's about to get real, raw and inspiring with Drew McIntyre. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here. I mean, what an amazing resume. And now I have Drew McIntyre in front of me. I'm so happy to have you here on Chasing Glory. First of all, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Long time coming. We've been talking about it for a while, and finally we're here. Yes, I know. We were, as a matter of fact, I remember when we were at, at uh, NXT when I joined you guys overseas. Yep, it was actually, yeah, it was over a year ago now at the NXT uh, UK tour. Just before the Downward Festival, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And it was just so nice to actually get to spend some time there again. And because you and I work together here on the main roster. And then uh, we'll go into the whole story yeah. about you leaving. It's crazy how quick those years go by. Oh, man. I was just so glad to see you back. But, you know, now you hear your resume. What does that mean to you? All your accomplishments of what you've been able to, to get at, at, you know, God, you entered so young. But yet... You started like when you were 15. 
Yeah, it's pretty great. I feel old for a start. I just turned 33 like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> just to clarify, yeah, everybody <laughs> thinks I'm like in my, my 40s because I've been around for so long. But yeah, it's pretty wild. You know, this was my dream. It was all I was ever going to do. I started at 15 and was very fortunate to get signed straight from university by WWE as the first ever Scotsman signed straight to, to America with WWE. So I got wow. that opportunity very quick. And uh, yeah, it's wild. It's been a wild ride. I've been very fortunate. And uh, yeah, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, but yeah. it all led me to this moment. Isn't it crazy? And, and I know that sometimes in the downs, and we'll talk about that, you think the world is just going to come crashing down on you. And you don't know when the next, you know, sometimes it feels so low and then you're like, that's it, my life is done. Did you feel that way? Like before we go back into, yeah, you know, your whole chasing glory story from the beginning, when you got released from the WWE, did it, what did that feel like? Um, like, It was was a shock initially. Um, You know, at the time I was doing the the 3MB with Jinder and Heath. Yeah. And we were on literally every show, so it was very unexpected. Even though, like, I'd, you know, seen my, I believe, Twitter or whatever popping up that some people had been released or whatever, it still never crossed my mind that a missed call from WWE might have been to tell me that I was getting released. I assumed it was, Hydra, you're on the road a week day earlier. <laughs> you have to do, you know, this. And then when I got it, I was, oh, okay. Um, I'll be seeing you very soon. And I sat and I thought about it. And my girlfriend at the time is now my wife. And I had just moved into the apartment that I got the call in three days prior. Oh, it was wow. our first place together. So I was oh, thinking, wow. how am I going to tell her? And now how am I going to tell my dad? Um, it has always been my number one fan. You know, I had just been released from WWE after eight years. And I know you'd be worried about the next step. And then I just eventually told myself, you know what? This is the opportunity you've been waiting for. You know, the position I was in, it'd be very hard to hotshot me into anything serious. I'd been there for so many years. It was the right time to be away from the company for a while. And you've, I'd learned so much. I really believed in myself and knew, you know, this is all I know. I can really do something. And the wrestling scene outside of WWE is really picking up. I believe I can make a splash. Now it's time to prove it to the world. So I, I got a little excited after the initial shock passed. Yeah. How, how long would you say, do you remember about how many days or was it weeks or whatever that you were a little numb to it, like going, oh my gosh? Well, that day my phone exploded with a bunch of people you know, trying to, to book me and, uh, you know, obviously check in who I was, but it was mostly, hey, man, you want to come do this wrestling show? And I was like, wow, what if I was actually, like, really upset here? <laughs> oh. like, and eventually I noticed that one particular company and one particular promoter hadn't contacted me. His name was Mark Dallas. He runs Insane Championship Wrestling in Scotland, ICW. Yeah. And I sent him a message and I said, hey, you've not messaged me. And he was like, well, you know, you're my friend. Perhaps you were upset. And I was like, well, I've got an idea. I want to come back to ICW first. I have an idea for a mission statement. I want to get out there and I want to do it in ICW and I want ICW to be my platform. You know, we're on the rise right now. I can see you all really starting to, you know, get things going and people are talking about ICW and I want to be the guy to take it to the next level and take it worldwide. And he's a friend of mine. We've known each other since we were 14. And, uh, you know, I went over there. It went very well on the first night and we started killing it together. And now ICW is part of WWE. I'm back in WWE and it's, it's a yeah. wild world <laughs> of Isn't wrestling we live in right now. Isn't that crazy how the, the worlds collide? It's, it's insane. Do, do you remember calling Jinder? I mean, I'm sure you guys talked. Yes, uh, we did speak that day. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it was just both very surprised and... Um, you know, I wasn't too sure what the next step was, but I knew right away. Like, I was 
just going to hit the ground running. I just, right away, like I said to myself, here's your mission statement. Get all in your head what you want to say. Go out to Scotland, go to ICW and deliver, you know, this message to the world. And if you do it right, it's going to catch attention because of the world of social media now. This is your weapon. This is how you're going to take everybody on the ride. You're going to use that social media, which I learned from WWE. Yeah. I learned from Matt Hardy, who's a bit of an expert at it. Right. And, uh, yeah, I went over there and... You know, we we hid in like my myself and, um, and my brother. I remember stayed with me, and we hid in my dad's house for three days with the blinds closed, just playing computer games like we used to play when we were kids, playing some Guitar Hero. And a couple of my buddies would come in and sneak me out to go to the gym, and we hid for three days. And then we snuck in the back door of the show, and the show was sold out with fifteen hundred people there. And at the very end, I snuck into the ring when the lights went out pulled a hood off and revealed myself, oh. got a heck of a reaction and just delivered that message to the world. It got out there, it started you know, going viral. Yeah. And a few people really helped me by talking about it. One of them was Mick Foley, who mm. went on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast and really took the time to you know, tell everyone you really need to check out what Drew McIntyre's up to now. And that's what got the ball rolling. I love Mick. Nice, Mick is just such a giving, giving, giving person. Yeah, he's been always there for advice for me, and that really kick-started everything. Just, um, you know, him going on Austin's podcast and saying, you need to check out Drew McIntyre like, or Drew Galloway. You know, that guy's got something. Yeah, yeah, oh my gosh. I, I can't even imagine. Like, I never knew the story that you hid for three days. Yeah, yeah, just at my dad's house. I was gone <laughs> for eight years. So I never get any time home, like back in Scotland. Yeah. So it was nice to be home, and like I was happy just to be secluded away with the blinds closed, just in case anyone recognized me and gave it away, because it had only been three weeks I'd been gone from WWE at this point. Right. That I was showing up at the show, and the BBC, you know, the biggest uh, film or TV company in yes. the UK. They were filming a documentary in ICW starting that day, so they were waiting with the camera as I snuck in the back door, and they got it all in film. It was all part of a documentary, Insane Fight Club 2, if you want to check it out. Wow, I love and, uh, that. They caught the the, uh, the moment, and when I took the hood back and I heard the reaction, I saw people like crying in the crowd. It was you know, it was pretty cool. Like, as you say, like I was in shock, and I was down, and I was very motivated, but when I heard that reaction, I thought, wow, this... There's something special going on here, and like I genuinely believed I'm the guy to take it to the next level. Yeah, and that's amazing that you could make that transformation in three weeks because somebody could literally get that kind of news and then just hide away or drink for, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just go off and just drink, 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 and be a victim and not... And I remember, I think, uh, well, Jinder Mahal was also on my podcast, and he talked about it. It took a little bit for him to decide like, did yeah, yeah, you, I did. did I, uh, I remember a particular story. Like, I don't know if it will come up, so I'd rather just tell it now in case I forget. Yeah, um, you know, I'd been doing, you know, all my stuff. I'd really made a name for myself, and things were going, you know, fantastic. And I met with, uh, you know, Jinder at uh, McDinton's in Tampa. We used to go for years with my wife, where I met my wife. Actually, yeah. she's embarrassed. That I tell that story, so I want to make sure I tell the world now we met in McDinton's in Tampa. And <laughs> I uh, <love> that. <laughs> yeah, we're with Jinder. And, uh, you know, at the time he'd gone up to about 260, not necessarily a good 260. Yeah. And uh, he was talking about, you know, giving up the wrestling and looking into like perhaps a franchise, like a subway or something. You know, he's very smart, he's did real estate going. Mm-hmm. He was going to do well no matter what he did, but it was a bit, you know, depressing to hear he was going to give up on the wrestling because it's all he's ever done. Right. And after that, and I was like, damn, I wish I could get something going for him. And uh, not long after that, you know, I guess I didn't know this, he started, you know, training, giving himself a kick up the arse and just started changing his life around, cut out the drinking and really started bettering how he looked. And right after that, he got the call from WWE because I remember he contacted me and mm-hmm. told me, hey, I just got a call from WWE. There's, 
Uh, roster splits happening, they basically need bodies. Yeah. And that's what he was just going back as, as a body. Yeah. And then it suggested to me, like, if you're interested, maybe contact them. And I was fortunate enough, things were rolling well at the time. I was like, that's not something I'm interested in, but I'm very happy to hear you talking this way. Yeah. And then I watched him go back and just as a body, just a regular, you know, like person on the roster to fill a spot, he saw that opportunity and he knew this was like his second chance. He realized from his first opportunity, he let it, you know, slip away, wasted it. I did too. And he saw this as his opportunity. He started working as hard as he could in every area. He bettered himself, you know, in the ring. He changed his body dramatically. He worked so, so hard to change how he looked, worked in his promos, worked in every area of his game. And he got rewarded with the biggest opportunity of all, becoming WWE champion. No matter what anyone says about the India thing or whatever, do you think for one second <laughs> Vincent Mann would have looked at the way he looked when he first came in with the or the attitude he had in the previous run and gave him that opportunity? Right. He gave him that opportunity because he worked for that opportunity. He earned that opportunity. He Absolutely. deserved that opportunity. And I'm very proud of everything he's done. That must have also made you so excited because you had turned everything around for you and you were creating something. But then to see him do that too, I'm sure it lights a fire under you even more. Oh, I was just, just over the moon. I was there the night you won. Uh, we did NXT um, Chicago the night before, and uh, I was just getting rolling in NXT. I had a match uh, prior to TakeOver. It's a lot of fun to wrestle in Chicago. I love that crowd. Yes. <laughs> but we got to stay on to Backlash the next night, and I was sitting in the crowd, and I got to watch it live. And, ah. um, you know, we were heading towards catering as the match was about to finish, and I was staying for the finish, and I didn't know what the finish was. I told, you know, Jinder and Randy, don't clue me in. I want to react how I react. Yeah. And, I remember the three count, hap three count happened. I struck a, an air guitar, which, which popped the boys. <laughs> and then I sprinted like the ultimate warrior straight to Gorilla. So I waited to be the first one to meet him when he got back there. And I love a, that. Yeah, it was a very cool moment. And just, yeah, as I say, I couldn't be more proud of him for everything he's achieved. Yeah, it's, it's so awesome. I've always wondered if you guys talk to Heath. You know, Heath is still up here. Oh, he's the man. Heath, Heath. <laughs> That's all you can say about Heath. Heath is Heath. You know, he knows... His role, he's very good at, he's entertaining, he's funny, and Heath was 3MB, that is him, yeah. <laughs> through and through. He's a great guy, he's entertaining, and what he's got, you can't necessarily teach. Right. Like, uh, he's got some special gifts that'll allow him to work in WWE as long as he wants to work in WWE. He's been here for so long. It's it, like he's always had a role, which is awesome. That's the thing, you got the talent he's got, there'll always be something for you to do. I, I, I definitely want to get him on Chasing Glory eventually, because I definitely want to hear his side of it too, and seeing the two of you get to to, you know, leaving and then coming back and, and all yeah, of that. We used to rev him a little bit as well when uh, Jinder had the, the WWE title and I was the NXT champion. We're like, come on, Heath, man, get in the gym and take down Brock. <laughs> <laughs> and what does he say? He's like, oh, yeah, man, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone's got their path, right? Everyone's so, got their uh, path. I'm telling you, like, he... He's got it figured out. Like he does, as I say, every time I see him, I was like, mate, you've got gifts that you cannot teach. Like, I, you were 3MB. Like, I'm very serious. You know, it wasn't necessarily, but allowed me to show a different side of my personality. And I think that was the idea that Mr. McMahon had was yeah. take the most random people you can think of and gender myself as serious people and just give us the opportunity to bring out different sides of our personality. But, uh, yeah, nobody does it quite like Keith. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking about paths, I definitely want to hear yours. I mean, you grew up in Scotland, yes. obviously. Um, and tell, tell me about that. What was life for you growing up? I mean, do you have brothers Great. and sisters? I have a younger brother. He is uh, 16 months younger. And he just had a baby uh, a few weeks ago. Wow, congrats. Yeah, literally two days after my birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy, That's James. Awesome. You were Shout out to James. Yep, it's the first one, the first Galloway. 
Bruce Galloway, that's yeah, amazing. That's pretty cool. So I'm very happy about that. I can't wait to meet him. Do you say he's older or younger? He's younger, 16 he's months younger. younger. Okay, so you were the older one. So how was that for you being the older brother? Um, was that a lot of pressure for you or? No, I mean, I was, I wasn't very nice to him. We were younger, we were like, we were like, he was my original wrestling training partner. Like we used to wrestle each other, but I would always beat him up, make him cry. <laughs> but we were kind of weird kids. It wasn't like we were just like fighting to fight and just nonsensical rolling around and um, I don't know, punching each other or grabbing holds and getting separated. Like we kind of worked together to put on the best match we could. We'd play, we'd pick a character each and then we'd try and do their moveset and we'd try to have the best match possible before inevitably I made him cry. But yeah, it, it, but it was kind of like a Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy. Yeah, yeah, like I was saying, we're, like, we were just like bizarre kind of kids and we'd see like other brothers fighting or other friends fighting. It was just like rolling around and just a lot of nonsense. We were like, ah, look at them. So they don't know what they're doing. And we'd work together to put on the best possible show when we're having a fight and people would start circling around us and like even at the park or whatever and we'd get into like a wrestling style situation. So from a young age, we kind of didn't know how it worked, but we, we knew we wanted to, you know, entertain and we knew working together, put on the best possible show and drew the most attention. Did he ever Pursue wrestling? No, no, he had no interest in pursuing it. He would have been good at it as well. Uh, really? He was very athletic. Like, he was like the Jeff Hardy, I guess, uh, of the two of us. Wow. Yeah, he used to, I literally would do swanton bombs off the top of my uh, my Nana's place. We used to wrestle around in the back garden and get the highest point possible and flip onto the mattress. And we had a little backyard company going there for a while. Again, like the Hardys. Like, <laughs> I used to like, tell them when I worked, especially when I worked with them in TNA, and that I'd get the opportunity to cut promos about it, yeah. that we were the Hardy boys when we were younger. That is so awesome. But he never. But he never wanted to pursue it, huh? No, no, uh, no interest no in pursuing interest. What it. What yeah. do? Uh, he is the manager of Frankie and Benny's in Ear. He restaurant. wanted to stay in Scotland. Yes, he wanted to stay in Scotland. Yeah, he was. Uh, I don't know. Born and bred in Scotland. No interest in leaving. Uh, has a fantastic wife. Now has the kid, and he's very happy in his life. The hardest worker I know. He just works like nonstop and just pushes wow. him, pushes himself. And not every path is for, I mean, this is definitely... No, uh, no, like, yeah. I'm, like, a weirdo, I guess, for Scotland. I was the first ever guy <laughs> to go to WWE. And really? Just, yeah, yeah, like, in, uh, the first Scottish guy I signed know, straight from Scotland. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was the goal all along. Like, I never wanted to necessarily leave Scotland. Like, I love Scotland. Um, that's my home. But I knew if I was going to make it in wrestling, I had to get to America. Yeah. So... What was it about wrestling? When was it that you watched wrestling that you said, that's it, I, I want to do this? Do you remember? As far back as I remember. Um, it's all I wanted to do. Maybe at one point I wanted to play for my favorite soccer club, like Glasgow Rangers. Um, but aside that, it was just wrestling, wrestling. How am I going to do this? I need to figure out. Um, but did your parents have it on? Did your dad have it on? Is that Yeah, like we had a couple of like British wrestling VHSs, and I didn't know the difference between... Uh, like WWF and the British wrestling. So I just assumed everybody was part of WWF. Uh, yeah. I didn't realize there was older, there was different companies, and there was a British wrestling scene that had uh, finished by that point, pretty much. But it was the old tapes my dad had. And he was explaining to me who they all were and so giving a bit of an education on the on the British wrestling. But yeah, I was just like obsessed. Anything I get my hands on, like if my friends had any tapes, I'd be around at their house watching them uh, over and over. And it's just I, was, I just had to figure out a way to do it. And when I was about ten, I sent to America for inside. Uh, wrestling, The Secrets of Wrestling, Volume 1 and 2, Percy Pringle and Dennis Brent wrote, and it kind of told you, you know, how it works backstage and all the inside terms, etc. And it told me to keep kayfabe, <laughs> kayfabe. You know, keep the secrets. <laughs> so I kept yeah. those two, those two books, Volume 1 and 2, in a briefcase. And when wow. I was at school and everyone was talking about the matches, like they were obviously 
uh, shoots, like real, I would play along like, you know, I was keeping kayfabe. So I wouldn't reveal any of the secrets. I knew what was going on. So, so I've been keeping kayfabe since I was about 10. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was a weird kid. I also used to write to like the FBI and stuff and get like documents from them. That, that kind of scared my dad. Wait a minute, tell me about that. What did <laughs> yeah. you do? Like, uh, I remember I used to get like a subscription to this magazine, the X Factor, that kind of just had random stuff. Like it would talk about dangerous animals or ghost stories or conspiracy theories. Again, I was 10 and it gave a sample letter to uh, write to the FBI if you want information under the Freedom of Information Act. Really? So I sent away to America. Oh my God, I love it! <laughs> and I got about three documents and, and a big dossier. And my dad was waiting for me when I got home holding this, asking me, son, why are the FBI sending you uh, things in the mail? And I went, oh, because I asked for it. Dad. I was like, let me put this to you again. Why? Or the FBI in America <laughs> right. sending you letters in the mail. Like, again, Dad, I asked for it under the Freedom of Information Act. It was like, you're 10. What's wrong with you? Wow. <laughs> yeah, so I was a bit of a strange kid. That's impressive. <laughs> no, that's impressive. <laughs> that, to me, I mean, I know that you graduated in criminology. Yeah. I, I, that's incredible. I mean, you kind of tell already at 10 years old, you were kind of in that whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, I guess I was into wrestling and into... Yeah, strange, uh, <laughs> strange things, I guess, for a kid that age. Did, did that ever, like, did that ever go anywhere? Like, do you remember ever asking for more stuff or did your dad go? Yeah, like, I was very interested in it. Like, the, the thing I realized is the more I looked into it, the more I got to know is, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the stuff there and <laughs> you're only going to find it so much. You find out too much, they're probably going to off you anyway. So just live your life and enjoy it. So I realized <laughs> that by the time I was about 12 <laughs> and got on with the wrestling dream. <laughs> crazy oh my god so so much pressure though like when you're such a, a young kid no, or you grow well, put it this way you kind of grow up a little bit fast in that respect but did you do you remember reading those documents yeah do you I, remember, I remember how many things were blacked out but yeah yeah i remember like understand i was frustrated that how much was blacked out <gasps> but yeah it didn't give any more than i knew already so i was very disappointed <laughs> 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 Some people are climbing face. trees and making tree houses, and you're contacting the FBI. And then you yeah, yeah, States. and I was still out there wrestling and playing <laughs> soccer, but I was also doing that behind closed doors. That was the kind of thing I didn't talk so much of my friends about. That was my private thing. <laughs> oh wow, wow! So tell me your relationship with your dad. How was that? Uh, great, uh, fantastic relationship with my dad. Um, he got married. When was it? Valentine's Day, February fourteenth. Oh, yeah? Uh, just recently, yeah, yeah. Oh, just recently? Yeah, oh, so that's, that's the last time I was back in Scotland for, for his uh, wedding there. Oh, so, you know, he's doing good, he's happy, and, uh, yeah, he's very, very happy to be a grandfather. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So growing up, you guys had a close relationship? Yeah, very close. I was very close to him and my mother uh, growing up. Like, uh, she was the head of the household. She was born with a, a bit of a rare condition called ataxia cerebellum that basically destroys the balance portion of your brain. Oh, wow. Like it didn't kick in until she was in her early 20s, I guess. The story goes, she was on the bus on the way to work, or the way back from work, sorry. And it just kicked in and the balance went and she had to literally crawl home and they couldn't figure out what it was. And my Nana, who I was also very close with, was like a second mother, took her uh, like around all the doctors trying to figure out what it was. And when they finally diagnosed it, it was in such infant stages at the time, they really didn't know what to do. And they found a doctor in London who was able to control it enough where she was basically able to walk with... You know, if she was able to get a wall or whatever, she could balance herself and walk around. Yeah. 
And growing up, she was told also, I guess, she would never have kids. I guess that's a big thing <laughs> that she was told you never she have kids. She was told she would never have yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. And then she got wow. pregnant with myself and even my nana, I, who I was very close with, was telling her, you know, you can't have the kids. It's too much of a risk. And she refused. And she had me. And then she had my brother, inevitably. Wow. And we grew up, you know, again with her, um, using everything to balance, et cetera. And she'd bring, like, her food through to the bedroom, like, carrying it. And we would never help. If we had friends around, they'd run to help her and stuff. And we never did because we just knew it as normal. <laughs> like, it's just mum, like, doing what she does. That's and true, because you grew up with it. Yeah, yeah. And she'd go out the back door, like, to hang the, the washing out, the clothes on the washing line. And she'd just, again, balance down the wall and down the fence along the washing line and hang everything up and back in again. And just nothing slowed her down at all. And... Uh, yeah, eventually broke her foot, was in a chair after this, and she would just wheel herself about in the chair, like with her feet, and do all the same tasks. And again, that was just normal to us growing up. And like everyone asks, you know, when I like, have the crazy schedule, et cetera. And uh, especially when I was gone from WWE, and I was the busiest wrestler in the world, and I was pushing myself, like probably <laughs> too hard at times, ask, you know, how do you do it? And I always say I had an unfair advantage because I had a like, superhero for a mom. Wow, I was just going to ask you, how did that? affect you watching her but i can see it affected you by working hard yeah so what happened because i know she passed away at 51 was that because of uh, cancer cancer yeah so on top of everything else you got cancer yes very so did unfortunate they ever, yeah. did they ever figure out the balance thing i mean did she ever have some years where she didn't have to worry uh, about that? no but again it was so normal for us uh, wow. and normal for her i guess like uh, it never slowed her down whatsoever and, and that's just uh yeah, I guess something she would have had for the rest of her life. But uh, yeah, she had the cancer. I can't remember exactly when it started. Like, I know, obviously, I was in uh, WWE at the time. I think I just basically started on, on SmackDown when I found out. Um, like initially, it started with a hysterectomy, I believe, and then uh, it'd gone, in theory. And then uh, I was flying home one time, just by chance, I was coming home and my dad and brother went for me at the airport and took oh. me straight to the hospital and it happened three days later, just out of the blue. Wow, what kind of cancer? Um, well, again, it started in the, uh, it's the woman region and worked its way into the oh, lymph, okay. lymph nodes it's like a, a around there. Yeah, so got, like I, I honestly, to this day, haven't asked too many of the details. Got it, yeah. But, yeah, but I understand as much as it worked its way into the lymph nodes and at that point it was pretty much unstoppable. It was just such a whirlwind that I came home and just three days later it happened. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to be home to yeah, see her yeah, at least and get there. Yeah, I was there. And I empathize because I lost my dad to bladder cancer. So, I mean, cancer just sucks. Yeah, it sucks. It it's really awful. Does. And I know that my dad, I've definitely have felt him and felt of, it's, it's crazy, like all the different signs that I get him that he's around, that he is watching me, that he's protecting me, that he's helping me. Do you, have you had that with your mom? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe for a long time, I didn't realize like how much it was affecting me, because it certainly did, uh, that I kind of went off the rails for a very, very long time. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much like what it comes down to. I never dealt with it. I don't ever really dealt with it, to be honest, or never really will deal with it. But It's, it's hard. It's yeah. really tough. But uh, yeah, that certainly sent me, sent me off the rails for a while. But eventually, you know, I knew I had to get it together. I knew she'd be disappointed in the way I was acting, the way I was throwing away my opportunities and throwing away life because, well, you know, life's too short. And yeah. She's an example. I know how short it really can be, but how much you can get in. Did uh, she, um, when, when she passed, was that when you were here the first time? Yes. Yes. 
So when you were drinking heavy and all of that, that was during that time too? Yeah, yeah. Like pretty much, like it was pretty much when I came to SmackDown. I remember for the first opportunity that I found out, and then that's and it was a, a lot because you're 22 years old and you're losing your mom. Yeah, yeah, it happened when I was uh, 25, I believe. Oh, okay. So, so it was like a progression, like, yeah, like progression. finding out and going away, and then coming back, and yeah, I, I didn't realize like how much it was affecting me at the time. I was just completely off the rails. Like I look back now, and I'm like, wow, that was, you were out of control at times. And I realized, you know, that had a lot to do with it because she was the most important person in my life. Yeah. Well, how, what have you been able to do to, to learn from that, though, from, from those moments? Um, I mean, that's certainly certainly not the answer. One, it doesn't help you at all and your life and whatever um, you're in. It doesn't need to be wrestling. Whatever you're doing, you're just going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt people around you. And in the end, you're just going to, you know, disappoint them. Like, would they really want to see you like that? And I was letting them and yourself down. And uh, yeah, I wish I kind of thought that way at first. It was just, it was a lot being in another country and it yeah. all going on and when she was getting the treatment, et cetera. And I could only see it through Skype, et cetera. So it was just very, very difficult. Oh, that makes it really, no, that makes it really hard, Drew. I mean, every, I think anybody would have, that would have happened too. So that's, uh, it's totally, it's understandable for sure. And nobody knows how to handle it. And I know that I, too. I mean, I, you know, left here and whew, it was two years really of just trying to figure out what the heck to do in the next phase. So it's tough. And especially if you're close to them. And like you said, appreciate people that are here. Yeah. What has that done for your marriage? How did you meet her? You said it was in the bar. Oh yeah. The Tampa bar that Seamus and I would frequent for many years. I think Seamus was still going there pretty much. And he moved to Nashville recently. <laughs> so he was, yeah. he was still going there every week to the Pretty much till a few months ago, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, McDinton's is the the place and FCW everyone used to go to, and we continued to go to every week, and then eventually I met her there about five years ago now, and awesome. uh, we no longer go there. <laughs> we don't go out so much anymore. We're a bit homebodies these days. Quite the opposite of what I used to be. <laughs> yeah. How does she handle your schedule? Because I mean, she knew what she was getting into from the very yeah, beginning. Yeah, yeah. She knew. Like it takes does a. Does she very... know wrestling? Did she? No, even she watch? doesn't. It's great. No. Yeah, she's the opposite. We're the opposite in every possible way. And that works uh, for you. Oh yes, certainly does. Like she, she use her head to to make us money. I use my head to jump on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, we met and. Um, you know, right away there was there was something there. I actually took her, convinced her to come on the road with me, on like her second date or something. Like I, I don't know how I talked her into it. She's so sensible, and I managed to convince her to come on the road with me and you know just check out wrestling and just show her kind of what it's but that's what it, good. What she it's like, to give know. her an introduction yeah. uh, to everything, and yeah, from there it just kept you know getting better and better. And I remember we moved into it. We didn't technically. I didn't ask her technically. Seamus basically moved her in. Seriously? Like at the time, Seamus and I lived together, and then uh, he got injured. He tore his uh, his labrum, I believe, and he had surgery his shoulder. And uh, when Seamus and I were living together, he just bought a house, and like we were there basically. Oh, yeah. I'd had her around the house all the time. When I was on the road, he would go, uh, she would go out with him, and uh, they, they would hang out. And you know, she's a bit of a a bit of a wingwoman, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so they would have a great time. And then suddenly, uh, like she was there so much that he was basically suggesting the move. And I was like, all right, I guess that makes sense. And I was like, what do you think? And so he basically, yeah, he basically set it up for me. So oh, I awesome. could always thank 
Well, yeah, because I remember him talking about that big house he had and yeah, yeah, nobody in there. Yeah, it was like 30 minutes from Tampa. So like we, when she moved in, we, when he was back on the road, it was unfortunate because she was stuck in this big house oh, by herself right. 30 minutes from anybody she knew Uh-oh. all the time. And uh, But yeah, that was a great time when the three of us lived together. It was like, I don't know, Three's Company, like a TV show or something. Some yeah. of the escapades that would go on in that place. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, eventually when it was time, we had to get her get her own place and that was about the time as I say I got the got the release as soon as oh, we moved in right. oh, <laughs> finally wow. moved out and he called me he was like he's want to move back in <laughs> did you it's like no we didn't no I was, like I was very confident things were going to work out <laughs> I know that you said that from the first time to to now you've grown up a lot yes what helped you grow up because people can say hey man up yeah you know and even to females when are you going to get it together you know and it's easy to hear that, easy to say that, whatever. But then how did you do it? Like, did you have mentors? Did you? Yeah, I mean, what's that? just not having a, a choice, being in charge of yourself. I came from university and living with my parents to being in WWE. So I had basically everyone telling me what to do and where to be at university and living at home for everyone telling me what to do and where to be in WWE. So I went from one home in to Scotland another to another home in WWE. Then eventually that was finally out on my own. I was like, oh. Okay. There's and no now one you have your girlfriend. Telling then, me, yeah, no yeah. one telling me what to do. Responsibilities, these things that keep coming through the mail. I need to get paid somehow, and it's on me. And you know, it was time finally, as you say, to man up. And it was a decision I made, not anyone telling me. It's like, okay, it's time to, you know, put up or shut up. Like you believe you can do this. Like time to get it together. And just that experience of, you know, being in charge of myself. And she was a huge part of it as well. Like she stopped uh, school for two years. Like she's now in her last year to be a nurse practitioner. Um, oh, wow. And she stopped school for two years, the first two years to kind of be part of it and work at the same time, just in case. So she would handle like a lot of, um, you know, my, my schedule and stuff because it was so out of control. And she put up with a lot with me never being there. And I was just constantly gone and constantly trying to figure out, you know, what's the next angle to get people talking about me. And she would help with ideas like that. And wow. Um, yeah, I learned how to be a, a businessman during that period, not just a boy that gets told what to do is okay at wrestling in the ring. I figured out, you know, how to be a top guy, like yeah. how to get it done outside of the ring more. Like I, I could get it done inside the ring, that wasn't the issue. But I was able to get everything done outside the ring and, you know, really grow up and really become, you know, savvy at the, the wrestling business, right. if you like. And What's some of the biggest things that you learned that you were like, man, I wish I would have known this the first time around? Uh, I, mean, I don't even know if you, it's hard to learn it within like NXT is I guess a bit different now that you do learn more of the um, you know the things you need in those courses etc for the things you need um, you know the media training etc that didn't necessarily exist oh, when, when I so started true. and you get picked from developmental back then and dropped into the roster with a completely new character <laughs> yeah. obviously NXT is like its own brand and that's why I pushed heavily when I got there I said this is not Developmental. I was part of developmental. I was in OVW for the last six months. I right. was part of FCW. That was developmental. So this is its own brand. This doesn't, you know, deserve to be called a developmental. This has its own fan base. Its own, uh, like the uh, male and female, males and females in the roster are just unbelievable in the ring, and they're the reason everyone's talking about it. And the fans deserve their own picture on the roster page because they're such a part of the show. Yeah. And I always dreamed of a day, like I said, the first interview I pretty much did when I got there. I said, I've been a face of so many companies before, and now I came here because I want to help, you know, get it to the next level. And I want to see a world where it's not moving up anymore. It's trades 
Like eventually you're going to get traded to Raw or SmackDown mm -hmm. and maybe someone from Raw or SmackDown can get traded to NXT and then they can start something new down sure. there. And that's the world I dream in. And the way I see it is I got traded from NXT to Raw. I didn't yeah. move up. I got you're traded right. over. You know, that's a good idea to even some of the guys that maybe are stuck here, you know, in, the, in Raw or SmackDown, that it'd be nice to get them traded to NXT to rebrand them. Yeah, right? and I've heard like Hunter talk about it as well. And, um, you know, the, the way I see it as well, like I keep saying, like I know there's a lot of things I've brought up in interviews that, you know, strike a chord with some people. Um, and I, I understand, you know, it's not easy sometimes. And I understand um, you can be in the bubble so long. That also helped stepping away from the bubble. It gave me a perception. <laughs> I got to live yeah. in reality. Yeah. I was living in a fantasy world for a while. But uh, when you're in that bubble for so long, you know, you do get a kind of warped sense of, of things. You forget you're in the WWE, the biggest company in the world, and you stop working as hard as you probably should. Yeah, you get comfortable. Yeah, and you got to start like working in every area of your game because someone else is going to come along younger, hungrier, and mm -hmm. uh, better. And uh, I keep putting a message out there. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I went away and I had to, you know, learn the hard way and reignite that fire. And I'm back with the attitude and raw of, this is the best show in the world. We've got, you know, these TV deals for a reason, all this big money for a reason, the stock prices for a reason. We're the best show in the world. We have the best talent in the world. Mm -hmm. But we have a three-hour show and there's a two-hour show in SmackDown and there's certain areas of the show and certain people on the show that don't necessarily have that fire in their eyes. And I, I, I call it my eye test, basically. When I see someone walk out or even see someone backstage, I can look them in the oh eye. Oh, my and God. Can, isn't it so true? I can tell if they want it or not. And I'm so very true. sorry. You're in the WWE, and I've been in the Indies. I know how big it is, and I know how many people want it. I've been the NXT champion. Yeah. There's a lot of guys and girls down there ready to take some spots. And I'm back on Raw, basically, to make it all killer. And I'm sorry if you're filler. It's time to go away and perhaps yeah. get an opportunity to do what I did because there's a big scene out there to rebrand, reinvent yourself and find the passion for this business because if you don't have it and you can't find it, maybe you need to find something else. Well, I always say if you really aren't here, if you're not happy, then go, then allow somebody who really wants to be here. Yeah, that's know. one thing. I remember I said in one of the, the promos I did, um, you know, people collect, like, happy to collect paychecks. Like, it's honestly, yeah. people, some people are miserable to collect paychecks. You're right. And I've been there, and I get it, and I, I see it, and, like, you think, oh, woe is me, and if they just did this and this, it's like, well, you could do this and this, and I get it. It may not always happen, but you're not giving it your all. <laughs> so, right. And the boss sees that, and the people around you see that. And I get it now because I've been outside, and I have that, you know, perspective now, and sometimes it sounds harsh to people, and some people don't like to hear it, but... You know, I'm sorry I came back here to be a leader and I came back here to make sure Raw is the number one show in the world and I'm going to tell it how it is. 18 yeah. years of experience, I'm 33. Yes. I'm back to make a difference in the business, not just in my business. But we need more leaders and sometimes the leaders do get stomped on because they do say things that we don't want to hear sometimes, right? Oh, but yeah, and I'm not afraid of, like, good. of that. Like, <laughs> so yeah. like, I'm just trying to do it for the betterment of the, the industry as far as I'm concerned. I'm not asking you to name names at all, but is there, are there any people that you've had, you've, felt like you needed to go up to him and say, dude, seriously, you got to get your act together or yeah, anything like that. I have done no? as well. You have? Like, yeah, I'm not, like, I'm just back as well. I'm not going to start, like, overstep my boundaries. Like, or you know, at least I, help. But, yeah, the, the way I'm approaching it is, like, I'm, help. I'm there to help. I'm not there to, like, you know, my, my character might <laughs> be shouting at you. But, yeah. <laughs> but Drew Galloway will have a word with you and just try and put it in your head and try and steer you in the right direction. Then you've got to take that and do something with it. And if you don't, then Have not... you seen it help some people? Uh, a couple. Yeah. Yeah. But so, again, like I'm, I'm back. I'm just kind of trying to get my, myself going and, you know, yeah. I'm not, like I said, one, one step at a time. Rome wasn't built in a day. Like, I get I'm, that. 
get myself like rolling in a good position, but at the same time, when I see where I can, if I can help and if anyone's ever got questions, I'm there to to answer them. And but if I feel like somebody's there and like I'm like, okay, this is it's a good person. Um, and there's not many bad people anymore. It doesn't no. really exist in wrestling anymore, which is great because there was when I first came over here. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't really exist anymore. And I, I do. I know a lot of them get families. So I do want to try and help them and steer them in the right direction. And, and the, uh, the key is, I guess, just is just finding that fire. And that's kind of how I put it to them. Is just you know, you got to kick yourself up the arse, and I'll do it if you want. But you got to find that because it's noticeable. You're, if you don't have that fur. Yeah, it's funny because your story, um, you're actually one of the lucky ones because you've been on both sides. Yeah. So you know what it looks like to not have it and then know what it looks like and what it brings to have the fire, to take care of yourself, to to do the sacrifices that you're doing. Um, yeah. I know what it feels like to, to earn that opportunity to come back as well. You know, like you Like I was given it at 21. Like uh, I was very fortunate. Again, yeah. like a lot of people say, you know, you're whatever, 6'5", and look like how a WWE superstar should look. And I was like, yeah, right. that's how I got my opportunity in the beginning, and that's how I was the chosen one. And then it all disappeared, and then I was 3MB guy. And then I went away, and then I worked hard, or harder than everybody. Then I earned that opportunity, and that's why I got the respect in the companies where a lot of the roster are smaller, high flyers, and I was the one big guy. It's because I worked my bollocks off and yeah. earned everything that's come my way. And when the time was right, and I'd finished my commitments everywhere else, and the companies I was working with were self-sufficient, they didn't need me anymore, that's when it was time to come back home to NXT. You had a conversation with, uh, you told me, with Triple H when he called you. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit on that conversation where you said, that's it, I'm coming? Like, it really did didn't take say? long. I, like, I, I was out of my contract with TNA. My wife and I were talking about the next step. Um, you know, there's a lot of great places out there, and I, I thought I kind of knew which direction I wanted to go. And then, uh, you know, William Regal has been a bit of a mentor to me and always kind of kept an eye on everything I've been doing, giving me advice, suggested just make sure you have a conversation, you know, with Triple H first. And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, I spoke to him on the phone and just, he'd been, he's, he, he sees everything. He knows what's going on. He knows what I've been doing mm -hmm. and he could see the difference in me um, and was very, you know, proud of what I'd achieved. And then we had just a really good talk and we had a talk as just two grown men rather than, you know, the boy that I used to be kind of nervous around, like himself and especially Vince, barely able to get my words out. And, you know, we just had a good talk as two people who loved the business. And, uh, yeah, by the time I did that conversation, I was, it wasn't they needed to sell me. I just knew it was time to come home. But is there something that he said that, that you were like, yeah, I'm going? Uh, I can't really feel all the details of the conversation, but, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was very nice to hear. And it, it just made me feel like, you know, aside every, like feeling self-fulfilled yeah. uh, about everything that I achieved and the difference I'd made to the wrestling industry as a whole, especially the UK scene. Uh, there was, you know, a, a part there that was, you know, unfinished business. And it felt, you know, good to hear some of the things I heard and all I needed was the opportunity and the opportunity was there and it was the right time for both parties. And I'd been away, like I said earlier, you know, I'd been there so long, you couldn't logically put me in anything. And to be honest, I just wouldn't have been able to, you know, do what I can do now. I wasn't ready for those uh, opportunities. If I got them before I got released, maybe it would have done fine. Maybe it would have got a decent run. I just know now everything I've been through that I'm ready for everything. Yeah. I always wanted to be like one of the, the guys I used to be around in the locker room, like the, you know, the takers and the, like, the edges, the Mysterials, the Christians, the big shows, you name it. Like I was around pretty much everyone growing up and I always wanted to be like one of them, like they'd been through like a different time and learned from all these mm -hmm. um, 
you know, phenomenal legends of the business and I've been around them and I always wanted to be at that level where you can throw anything at me and I can do it, not just because I came through the system here and I get hit with something I'm not ready for. I was like, no, no, I've been through everything. I've been in the smallest places, I've been in the biggest places, I've been in everything and in between. There's nothing you can hit me with now that I've not seen before and I'm ready for it all. Wow, and that's, I can see it now for sure. I can see the fire in you. Like, I, I mean, I can see, I think it was a great decision too that you went to NXT, do you? Oh yeah, I mean, that, that was what I wanted. That, that is I, what I, I wanted. told my wife in the beginning, this, um, you know, when NXT really started catching fire, I was like, you know, it'd be ideal, like when I go back, if I went there first, if, if I do my thing here and I get a reputation on the independence scene uh, that I believe I can get and then go to NXT because it's such a passionate fan base and. Um, I think that would be the place for me to go to really show what I can do. And then when the time is right, because the transition is so much smoother from NXT right. to Raw and SmackDown, because it moves so fast. Like Raw and yeah. SmackDown is so many hours of unique TV every single week, yeah. <laughs> like all year round. Like that was the way I saw it. And that's what I told her in the beginning. Like I told Chris Jericho, he was the first podcast I did. Another one who really helped me in the beginning, really get my message out there was Chris. Yeah. And I told him, you know, I will be back. And as time went on and things were going so well, it got to the point where I said, yeah, maybe I won't be back. You know, I'm, I'm, things are going so well. I'm really lucky, like financially, I'm doing phenomenal, uh, which I was very, very, very lucky yeah. to do. But just as important, if not more important, I uh, was feeling so fulfilled and really felt like I was making a difference. I was in the mindset of, you know, WWE is the name, the brand, it's gonna keep trucking no matter what, the wheel keeps turning, but I was really making a difference. Yeah. And then when I came back with NXT, I felt like, I really feel like I can make a difference in NXT. And then, like I say, when I was in NXT and I was kind of watching Raw, I was around backstage at Raw SmackDown. I saw kind of the guys backstage that reminded me of me. I was like, all right, actually, I believe I can make a difference oh, in Raw or SmackDown, this. the biggest yeah. show of all. So it was all like a process, like all yeah. the way along. And then I was like, now I'm back now with that mentality of, all right, I believe I can make a difference here. And it was all. So uh, do you feel you are? I know it's been a short time. Uh, <laughs> a little hopefully. bit. Hopefully. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I hope so. I mean, the things I'm saying, hopefully people are reading them. And if, if I keep telling them uh, in interviews, if you read if you read what I'm saying or if you listen to what I'm saying, you think I'm talking about you, I am. Because I if I'm talking positively and you can look yourself in the mirror and I say about the hard workers and the ones that are the best in the world, and you know, looking in the mirror, that's me. You are. Yeah. And if you don't think, like, if you look in the mirror, you can honestly say, like, I give it my all, I give it 110% in every aspect of my game. Like, you know the answer. Like, you right. know, I'm talking to you, if right. positively or negatively. Right. So talk to me about working with Dolph. How's that been? Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. It's a big surprise. I just found out on the day. <laughs> and I've known Dolph uh, pretty much the entire time I've been here, like in FCW. And it's together. crazy because, you know, Dolph was here for a long time and Spirit Squad, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, he started here. Which was kind of like a 3MB, like right? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't like even that. know uh, that he basically was trained here. They were talking recently, uh, and I had no idea that he'd be, I thought he'd done something before. Or, no. But he learned on the job. Uh, yeah. Like, and I remember like what it was like when I first came in, uh, and he was there a couple of years before. Uh, and I can't imagine I've been around some of those guys. That, <laughs> yeah. He went through that as, as well. As a newbie, yeah. The newbie, the not finding, you know, it, all of a sudden Spear Squad's doing so well, and then all of a sudden it's disbanded, and then what's next for him? And he went, I think he's tried to do some caddy thing with yep, uh, Chavo, Chavo yep. and, you know, trying to find his grounding. And then all of a sudden it just, it clicked. Yeah. It clicked. That was awesome. Like in SmackDown, I remember, there was a few of us, they, like younger guys who were getting some opportunities. So I think they realized that, you know, the old guard were on their way out and they had to start making some some younger stars. And that's like myself and Seamus started getting some big opportunities. And on the SmackDown side, we had like, 
myself, Dolph, uh, Morrison. I don't want to miss people out here, but if you look back at 09, you'll see the the people like that yeah. was like the roster of the young guys that were really trying to get going. I remember we always did a promo class with Vince during that period. Did you? I reminded them that recently. Yeah. Oh uh, wow. So we're in one of the uh, they did production meeting rooms, and I mentioned you know we used to do promo class in here. And uh, it was like pretty cool. There was about five or six of us that got the opportunity to be in the room with the boss himself and wow. to give him, you know, his perspective on, you know, the business. And, I can't uh, imagine what that was like. So it was fantastic. Like, and it's just annoying at the time because a lot of what he said went over my head, but I noted it down and I banked it in my mind, and eventually things started clicking. It's like a lot of advice I got as well at the time when I was younger, and Taker would say stuff to me. And uh, I know Dean Malenko's the agent for today. I remember he used to give me some advice as well. And like everybody, and it would just make no sense to me whatsoever. And just one day it all started clicking. And they would tell me, so one day the light switch would go off. It's pretty cool. Is that what they does. said? One yeah, day. yeah, yeah. Because I would just pull my hair out sometimes, just try to figure out what these riddles meant. <laughs> so that's yeah. pretty much how it was told to me. It was as riddles, and it took so long to figure them out. Oh, wow. That is impressive. Can you share one of the riddles that all of a sudden you could Oh, yeah. Get I mean, this is one that, like the one from Taker himself. I've, I know I've mentioned it before, and like I use it myself. I just try and elaborate more because I'd be pulling my hair out trying to figure out when he would tell me to stop playing a wrestler, be a wrestler. And that was like one of the biggest ones of all. And I was like, I don't understand. I'm out there wrestling. <laughs> what do you mean, play, be? And then uh, eventually the light switch went off. I was like, I'm out there. Like so concerned about my next moves and so robotic and it's in my eyes it's obvious i'm thinking about the next moves and whatever and i'm telegraphing everything and i'm just not like being i'm just out there um basically going through the choreograph thing in my head it looks that way and not only that if you get a camera shot in my face you'll see my eyes darting around trying to think of what's going on oh, instead wow. of just relaxing being myself like being the character being in the match being in the moment and letting the people along for the ride yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, he's seen such riddles. I just say they're pulling my hair out. It's like, in a, remember Zoolander? The files are inside the computer, and yeah. he picks it up and throws it. That was like me sitting there trying to figure it out. <laughs> oh my gosh, have you been sharing some of those riddles with other people though? Now you see them going, what? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like yeah. Uh, anywhere I can, I give some advice. And um, but yeah, I just remember just so many different examples. Like back then, I just could never figure out until the light switch went off eventually. Yeah. Well, I gotta say, I'm so excited for this journey for you. I can see the, I can see the difference because I've seen both sides, and I can definitely see the difference. It's awesome to see what you're doing now. I know thank that you. you're gonna go to the top. Uh, thank I know you. you are. I know you are. And it's just like AJ Styles uh, when he was my guest. He talked about how he doesn't like it when the crowd chants "You deserve it." He uses the same thing when he says, "No, I've earned it." Yeah. So I love the fact that you That's use true. that. He's today. earned it. Uh, more than anybody. Yeah, he's earned it a lot yeah. too, and and I've seen you earn it. I've seen Jinder earn it. It's just amazing to see all you guys like taking off now. Um, makes me proud. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's wild. It's wild, but it's so much fun, and yeah, just many more years left. I'm excited for the journey. I keep like I see what everyone's saying out there. Like you know, I've got my social media and. I see you all in your uh, you know, very positive comments. I appreciate them all. But let's remember there's 52 weeks of TV a year. Let's tell a story. <laughs> tell a story, yeah, right? One step at a time. Like I'm enjoy, I enjoy the ride. We don't want to jump to the finish. But I appreciate everyone out there because my fan base has always been rabid and always supported me since day one. And um, you know, when I was away from the company, they you know, started telling a friend, hey, check them out. And they've really stuck with me the whole time and helped you know, grow my reputation. I love that you've also used social media smartly and not put things out there that could get you in trouble and just 
spit out things that sometimes yeah. they just spit things out without yeah. thinking. Because social media can be very detrimental too. Yeah, especially in this day and age. Like when we first, uh, you know, got our was first gone from the company, it was, it was big, but it wasn't as big as it is right. now. And you know, I learned from, you know, like watching like Matt, etc. I was all I'm going to put out was my business stuff, the occasional personal message. But yeah, that's another thing, advice for people out there, especially newer people who get frustrated. Don't tweet about it. Don't. Yeah, like, I mean, it just, it's petty. Like the fans even see it that way as well. Like they might respond the way you want them to respond so you can retweet it or like it, but that's what they're trying to do. Just be smart. Yeah. Like work hard um, and people will see that. Right. Well, I am so excited for your continued Chasing Glory uh, journey. And is Chasing Glory all you thought it would be? Or is it turning out to be so many different things? Oh, no, it's the opposite of what I thought it was going to be. Like, um, I think because I got <laughs> everything kind of given to me so young, it would just be that easy for the for the whole time. So it's, it's not. But to be honest, they are glad. Um, you know, the journeys went the way it's went. And I've had a lot of... A lot of obstacles that I've had to overcome because everything has made me the man I am today. And it always looked to that Rocky speech, you know, whenever, you know, I'm down. So, you know, it's not about the, you know, how hard you hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward because, um, you know, like sometimes it can get real hard. Sometimes you can be on the ground almost for the 10 count, but it's all about picking yourself back up and just continuing to push forward. And I'm glad for all of those downs because they've got me in the position I am now. And, Thanks to the, you know, the wife and the personal life getting me where I need to be, and you know, the opportunity being away from WWE to get to where I am professionally, I'm just thankful for it all. Oh, the gratitude shows, and that's what is all about is gratitude. Absolutely. Ah, oh, congratulations, and just continued success to you. How do we find you on social media? Speaking of, Ooh, that's a good question. I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> I'm at. Do you know? Yes, yes, I've got it. I've got it. I'm at D McIntyre WWE. D McIntyre WWE because I always mess it up and write Drew McIntyre WWE and it comes up as some random guy. Oh, got it. It's pretending. So to that's be me. on both Instagram and Twitter. Yes. Okay. The same. D McIntyre WWE. Yes, it's the one with the tick. If I'm wrong. Oh yeah, with the check, <laughs> the check mark. Yeah, it's right. not, not the weird dude pretending to be me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. No, thank you. This is Chasing Glory with Lillian Garcia. And there you have it, Drew McIntyre's journey of chasing glory. I could talk to him all day long, every day. That's right. In fact, every time I see him, I learn something new about him. But one thing that is constantly consistent is how nice Drew McIntyre is. I know, I know, I know he's playing a heel right now on the show, and he's playing a really, really good heel. But this guy is authentically good to the core, and I'm sure you guys heard it, and you could tell from the interview and how humble he is and how hungry he is. I love that because he's not just saying that he wants it. He is fighting for it every day. He has changed his body. He's wrestling amazing. He's just, and he's being a leader. Like he said, he came back wanting to be a leader, which is a tough place to sometimes be because Sometimes people don't like leaders and sometimes they kind of act like, well, what do you know and who do you think you are? But we need leaders in this world. We need more leaders than we do followers. So unless you're following somebody good and then you're turning around and being a leader, how about that? It's okay to follow for a while too. If you're being mentored by somebody, that's a way that you're following. So continue guys to listen to more episodes of Chasing Glory. If you haven't 
caught up with every single episode. If you're new to Chasing Glory, welcome, welcome, welcome. There's a lot of great interviews on here because my guests are pouring their hearts out and I can't thank them enough. Man, when you go back and listen to the way that some people have grown up or the obstacles that they've endured in school or just one thing after another and how they've been able to overcome it, it helps everyone. It helps all of us know that we can do this as long as we stay together. You, my CG squad out there, so happy to have you on this ride with me because this is part of my own chasing glory. So thank you for following us on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you leave your review. Don't forget that I'm going to do another pick next week from your review as to getting a free t-shirt and an 8x10. Also, you can follow us on YouTube, by the way, if you prefer to listen to the podcast on YouTube, that's fine. Go to youtube.com slash Lillian Garcia. Make sure that you spell Lillian with one L in the middle. And you can find us on Spreaker, on Spotify, iHeartRadio just added us. Um, my gosh, it goes on and on. SoundCloud and Stitcher and there's so many places. Overcast, Google Podcasts. So there's a lot of great places that you can find it. There's no excuse for you not to be listening to another episode. So for now, guys, have an amazing, amazing week. And I'll see you next Monday. Thank you and spread the word. Help to spread the word. So go out there with much peace, love, and passion. And remember to always be yourself and trust that it's enough. Bye, guys. Thanks for joining us here on Chasing Glory from executive producer Lillian Garcia. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends and be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.